Amen. Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank our choir and thank our praise team and all of you for being a part of our worship service this morning. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This morning, I want to share a sermon that I've entitled, What Does Christmas Mean? What does Christmas mean? And we'll look at Luke chapter 2, a familiar passage, especially during this time of the year. And we'll look at verse 22 through uh, verse 35. If you're physically able, please stand out of respect and reverence of God's Word, His inspired Word, infallible Word, inerrant Word. And we'll begin reading with in chapter 2 of Luke, verse 22, if you would follow along. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as it's written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And so he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed him and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. And my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity for a time to worship you, Lord, through uh, hymns and praise songs. And now, Father, as you speak to our hearts, help us to realize, Lord, that you're speaking to us individually. And Father, as a, as a church, and so I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts this morning, and then may we be willing to obey your Spirit as you direct us in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. As I read this passage of Scripture, I noticed something that I had never noticed before. The gospel was mentioned in this passage. Isn't it strange that the gospel is never mentioned at Christmas time? We get so called up, so captivated with angelic visitation from heaven, get 
captivated with the incarnation of the Son of God, get all caught up with the shepherds and the wise men and the animals and the stable and the innkeeper and the great star in heaven, that we unconsciously and unthoughtfully leave out of our remembrance the great holy purpose that brought Jesus into the world. To be honest, I never thought about it myself, the gospel during this time. But notice what Simeon does. Verse 34, And Simeon blessed them and said to his mother. Now he could have said a lot of things to his mother. You know, when I read that, I thought, well, Simeon could have just taken that child and held that child up in, in his arms and had made some glorious statement such as, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. But notice, Simeon blessed them, and this is what he said, verse 34, Behold, the child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Now, what sign was he talking about? He's talking about the cross. That was the sign, the sign of the cross. In verse 35, speaking to the mother, he's speaking to his mother, Mary, he said, A sword shall pierce through your own soul also. Point being, the gospel is part of Christmas. And I've never heard it, I've never heard it referred to, and I've never heard it discussed. And this time of the year, mostly it's just about the birth. However, the gospel is the purpose of his coming into the world, and we can see it here in the very heart of the Christmas story with Simeon. And so first of all, what does Christmas mean? I want to share four things. First of all, what does Christmas mean to God? What does Christmas mean to God? What does Christmas mean to Jesus? What does Christmas mean to us what does Christmas mean to you? First of all, what is the meaning of the birth of the Son of God to God? What does Christmas mean to God? The meaning of Christmas to God the Father. John 3.16 says it this way, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, there have, been, there have been endless theologians who have discussed the subject of whether God could suffer. Now, we know that we believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We know there's only one God that manifests himself in three ways, as Father, as Son, as Holy Spirit. And so theologians have argued over the years can God suffer? Can he suffer? Now, I suppose that most of those theologians rightfully conclude that it would be impossible for God to suffer because God is light and God is holiness and God is joy and God is perfection and God is praise. Therefore, it would be impossible for God to suffer. And I don't, I don't disagree it would be impossible for God who lives in light and joy and peace. However, I strongly feel that if God had a heart, and if God had, if God was somebody, and if God was a person, 
And if God could feel, then I feel that he could suffer and he could hurt in his body and in his heart. Do you remember when the Lord bowed his head there on Gagatha? And he said this, Eli, Eli, Lamat the Sathbani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So when the son, the S-O-N, was made sin, when all the sin and iniquity of the entire world was heaped upon him, it was more than God could even look upon without hurting and without grief and without suffering sorrow. And the Lord God in heaven turned his face and he looked away. And the light of the universe was just blotted out. And in his loneliness as he was dying as a sacrifice bearing our sins, the Lord cries out, Why, why have you forsaken me? Now, that's what Christmas means to the Father. The offering of his dear Son as a sacrifice for an atonement for our sins. It's like this. I read this recently that a service was held in a little country church one night. And during that service, at that service, that service would honor with a gold star the mothers who had lost a son in any battle in World War II. And after the service was over, this young family was walking home. And there was this bright evening star, and it was shining bright and beautiful in the sky. And a little boy, remembering the service that he just attended, noticed, and he said to his daddy, with all these bright stars, and all of a sudden, there was that north star, that bright star. And all of a sudden, he said to his daddy and to his mother, Look, Dad, look, Mom, there's a star shining in the sky. God also lost the son. So the point is, why? What does Christmas mean to God? What does it mean to God? God lost the son, gave up the son to die on the cross for our sins. But what does Christmas mean to Jesus? Look, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and we want to look at verses 6 through 8. Philippians 2, verse 6. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now I want you to notice this passage. To being in the form of God, speaking of Jesus, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Is Jesus God? Sure he's God. God said, if you've seen Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Philippians here says he thought it not, be, uh, not, not to be robbery to be equal with God, but verse 7 says, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. Now look up at verse 6, who being in the form of God, now he takes on another form. Verse 7, being... Being made himself of no reputation, taking up the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and, and being ground in the appearance of a man, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 
And so the incarnation, God with us, the incarnation Christmas, meant that the Son of God emptied himself of all of his, all of his privileges, all of his prerogatives, if you would. He had divine rights, he set them aside. He had divine attributes, set them aside. Had divine qualities, set them aside. And verse 6 says, Who being in the form of God... He emptied himself and took on the form of a man. Now listen, he emptied himself of his deity. He took on the form of a man. And at the time he became a man, he fell under the mandates of the law. Meaning that when he took on the sins of the world, Ezekiel 18 verse 4 says, The soul that sinneth shall die. And so the sinless Son of God took all the sins of the world, and what did he have to do? He, he had to die. So he, he, he laid aside his deity. He took on the form of a man. He was in the form of God. He took on the form of man, and when he did, he fell under the mandates of the law, and the soul, and the soul that sinneth it shall die. He had no known sin. He had no sin, but he took on our sin, and because of that, he had to die. Why did he fashion himself as a man? Why not God? Because God doesn't have a body. God is a spirit. And in order for this sacrifice to be made for our sins, God had to become flesh and become a man. And so the point is, God must become incarnate in order to be offered as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins. You can't crucify a spirit. So God had to take on the form of man to become a bodily sacrifice to die on the cross for our sins. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll look at verses 4 through 7. Hebrews 10 verse 4. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. It's impossible. For an animal to take away our sins. Verse 5, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I've come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O God. Look at verse 4. It's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sin. Wherefore, verse 5, God said, A body I have prepared for my son. So the question is, how did he prepare that body for his son? He prepared it in the womb of a little virgin girl by the name of Mary. God formed it. God fashioned it. If you would look to the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, 
the Holy Spirit to Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will, call, will be called the Son of God. So God fashioned this body deep down in the dark body, hidden away in the secret parts of this virgin girl named Mary. God fashioned in the power of the Holy Spirit a body for His Son. Now the question is, why did God prepare a body for Jesus? Where he might sacrifice that body for our sins. Every animal, every sacrifice that was ever laid on the altar of sacrifice, from Adam all the way down through time, were pictures of the body of the Son of God that would be offered one day at Calvary. Listen. He, Jesus, was given a form, fashioned, a body, fashioned in the womb. He possessed incarnation, holy God and man. The point is, he became flesh that he might be offered up as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, in time past, before Christ came, when a believer and Jehovah God became conscious of their sin. He came to this sacred place called the tabernacle, or he came to the sacred place called the temple, and he led a little animal along with him, carried a lamb in his arms, or led a sheep with a rope, or a bullock with a rope, and, and he tied that animal to the horn of the altar, and he knelt down before it, and he put his hands upon the head of that animal. And he confessed his sins to God as he laid his hands upon that animal, transferring, supposedly, his sin, symbolically, from himself to that animal. And then he slew that animal. And then he poured the blood out. And that sacrifice was then offered to God for his sin. Now, what did all that mean? That was a type. That was a, a picture uh, of today, of our Lord whose atoning death, whose, pow whose poured out blood became, was able to wash away our sins, and not only to wash our sins away, but to cover our sins, to cleanse us from our sins. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, A body hast thou prepared for me, then said I, Lo, I came in the volume of the book. It's written to me in God's Bible, the Word of God. It's written to me, I, I come to do your will, O God. What was God's will for Jesus? God's will for Jesus was that he would, he would die on the cross for our sins. That's the meaning of Christmas to the Son of God. He came to die on the cross for our sins. Well, what does Christmas mean to the world? Well, there was a marvelous, marvelous announcement to the world. And uh, in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, it says this. Here's the announcement. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Let me find it. Verse 10 says this, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, and behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Notice that, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. All people, all families, all nations, um, all tongues, 
to all people, not just to Israel, not just to Judah, uh, not just to uh, Palestine, but to the ends of the earth. Wherever man will be found, man has an opportunity to be saved. And so the incarnation of the Son of God is good news to the world. That's what it means to the world. Christmas to the world means there's good news. You don't have to die and go to hell. You can have your sins forgiven, and when you die, you can go to heaven. So what does Christmas mean to God? He gave us His Son to Jesus. He came to die for us. To the world, a Savior is born. But what does it mean to you? What's Christmas mean to you? Well, Christmas gives you an answer that perhaps everyone asks at least one time in their life or maybe more. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. In Acts 16, verse 30 and 31. So what does Christmas mean to you prayerfully that you'll stop and pause for a moment and recognize that you're a sinner? You're a sinner for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans 3, 23. And know that you can't save yourself. For Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And it's not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And then you repent, you turn from, turn from your sins, and you turn to this person by the name of Jesus. That's what Acts three nineteen says, Repent you therefore and be converted that your sins might be blotted out. Then you believe, simply believe the gospel that Christ came and he died on the cross for your sins. He was buried. He arose on the third day and one day he's coming again. And you say, well, Brother Sammy, that's too easy. I'm going to tell you something. It may be too easy for you, but it wasn't too easy for him. It meant death for him. It meant the cross for him. It's easy for us because he bore our sins and he took our sins away. Easy for us. He bore the judgment of God that, that we ourselves should have been under. It's easy for us, but it was hard for him. But that's Christmas. It meant the death of the Son of God. And it means glory and salvation and eternal life for us who accept him into our life and receive that free gift. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, John chapter 1 verse 11 says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, the authority, the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So when he came into his own, they said no. But as many as received him, he gave them the power, the authority to become the children of God. And that's what Christmas can mean to you if you say yes to Jesus. What does Christmas mean? Well, to God, he gave up the Son. To Jesus... He gave up his life. To the world, the message is good news. A Savior's been born. To you, I hope you've received him into your heart and your life and given your life to him. That's our word of prayer.
Well, Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence today, and thank you for speaking to our heart. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that moves as your word is being preached, touches our heart, softens our heart, and I pray, Lord, for every person here today that they've said yes to you. Lord, we're in a predicament. We're sinners by nature and by choice, and we cannot save ourselves. Regardless how good, how moral we might be. But Lord, uh, our works are just as filthy rags. But we do know your board promises us in, in John 1 verse 12, as many as received you, to them you gave the power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on your name. So I pray today that not like the people did when you first came on scene and said, no, we want no part of him, we won't receive him. But today, Father, they'll be willing to open their heart and their life up to you and say, yes, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins and save me. I pray that would be the thoughts of people today. Thank you for what you're going to do in our time of invitation. Thank you for loving us forgiven up your deity, setting that deity aside, being formed in the fashion of a man, and having a body to where that body could be offered as a sacrifice and nailed to a cross to atone us for our sins. Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice you've made for us. Thank you, God, for giving up your son. And Father, I pray for people to say, today to say yes to you and not no. In Christ's name we pray, amen.